What's going on, Coastal Community Church? How you guys doing today? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're joining us for week three of a series we're calling This Is Home. Before we kind of dive into today, can you guys help me welcome everybody that's watching online and everybody at our Lighthouse Point location? Man, we love you guys. Thank you so much for joining with us today as we're in this series. And if you're a guest here with us, I want to let you know you chose a great weekend to be at Coastal Community Church. And if, if you've been here for a couple of weeks and you've been trying to figure out who we are, like over the last couple of weeks, we our hope for you is that we've given you kind of a behind the scenes look at who we are and why we do what we do. Because I think that every couple of years, it's important for us as a church to get refocused and reoriented on what's most important and why we do what we do here. And so over the last couple of weeks, that's what we've been doing. And two weeks ago, we said, you know, we're, we're on a mission here as a church. Our vision here on church is very, very specific. And we think it's important for you to understand what we're all about. We said it like this, and we've been saying it like this for, for 13 years, is that we want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. That is the heartbeat of our our church is that man we're 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 a church that's all about people and people that are far from God, experiencing God, knowing God, and following God. We, we, a lot of times we'll say it like this, man, we're not a country club for saints. We are a hospital for sinners. And, and, and we want people to know, man, no matter what stage of life you're at, where you're at in your faith or lack thereof, you are welcome here. Like this is a place that you can call home because we want to help them in the midst of their brokenness, in the midst of lostness. And the best way for them to be able to find the freedom in life that they're looking for is through the cross of Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. And so with that, we have a strategy as a church that, that isn't just a cool slogan that's on a picture spots in our foyers, but we believe that our strategy came straight from Jesus. And our strategy is simply this, everyone's welcome because nobody's perfect and anything's possible. And we talked about this last week. We, we said, hey, listen, we think the invitation from Jesus Jesus to follow him wasn't just to uh, Matthew. It wasn't just to Peter and John. It was a formal invitation to every man, every woman, every student, every child out there that they can follow God. And so we are passionate about people. And, and, and here's the deal. I've heard people say, and they said this to me, TJ, we, we, we think you're just about numbers. Like all the church cares about is numbers and more people. It's why you're adding more service. And I will unashamedly tell you, I am all about numbers. I just am. I'm, I'm all about numbers because every number has a name and every name has a story and every single story out there matters to God. So here's the number that I'm most concerned with. 98.3% of Broward County does not have a relationship with God. That's the number I'm concerned with. And until that number is zero, I'm going to be all about numbers every single week as a church. And we're going to continue to do more and add more and reach more because every single person matters. And we want them to know they matter to God and they matter to us. And so we say, hey, listen, the invitation from Jesus, you're welcome here because we know that when you come here, none of us are perfect. Can all the perfect people raise their hands? Okay, that's what I figured. There's not a single one. Because we know that, man, we're imperfect people. And here's the thing. We serve a perfect God who makes anything possible in our lives. 
Amen. We want people to experience the possibilities that God has in store for them. Which, which leads me kind of to the heart of our church, and it's what I want to talk to you today about. And, and this is something I sign every single email with, and it, it, it's my goal for your life is that you would be loving God, loving people, and showing it. That you wouldn't just love God and love people, but it would be an actionable item in your life. And, and here's what I know about your heart. Your heart is critical to your life. In fact, the question that I'm constantly asking myself personally is, is this question, TJ, how is your heart? Like, what's going on inside of here? Because what's going on inside of here impacts everything that's happening out here. Yeah. And, and if, I, if I don't have the awareness to recognize what's happening out here is having an impact in here, then I, I'm neglecting something significant in my life. And here's what I know is that in our day and age with so much going on, it's really easy to lose track of what's happening in here. Because yeah. I don't know about you, but does anybody else feel like their life can get a little out of control at times? Okay, a couple of us. The rest of, man, our church is doing way better than I realize. Maybe some of you guys don't realize the season that we're in. I, let, me, let me talk to the moms for a second because I know moms right now, their life is feeling a little bit out of control because school is about to start here in a couple weeks and they got folders and they got supplies to get. They got to go school shopping. They, they're getting themselves prepared for school lines in the morning. Come on, moms. And school lines after church, all the dads are just sitting there like, I've never done any of that. You should be thanking your wife right now because it's hell on earth. Come on, moms. Am I right? Come on. Get, let me, let me, yeah, the, all the moms are like, it's the, it, there's a dad over there that's like, yes, it's terrible. <laughs> and here's what I know with so much chaos and so much change and, and trying to get everything going on while you have all that, you still have, you still have to prepare your home. You still have that job that you have to go to. You still have to change, care for that fourth child called your husband. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are chaotic in your life. And with all of that going on, it's really easy to be unintentional in this season and just kind of go with the flow. It's like, man, I'm just trying to get from here to there and I don't really care how I get there. But here's what I know is if we're not intentional in our lives, we'll end up somewhere we never wanted to be. And, and, and I want us to think about this for a moment. I think that this is actually an opportunity for us in this season of our lives to, to look at what God actually says is most important in life because there is so much that is going on that we think is important that's really not. And it's important for us to prioritize what is most critical. And I think that this is a gift for us as individuals. I think it's a gift for us as a church. And, and this is really just some cool slogan that we have on a wall. It's actually something that's extremely, extremely critical for our faith. And so if you want to turn to your Bibles today to Mark chapter 12, we're going to be picking up a story in there where Jesus has just made an entry into Jerusalem. And what is taking place is the religious leaders are after him at this point, And they're trying to trap him because they're very, very frustrated with him. So they get into a debate and they're debating Jesus on some different subjects. And finally, this religious leader steps into the conversation and, and he poses a really, really interesting question to Jesus. Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28, it says, one of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, 
which is most important? Like, of everything that's in this book, of everything that we know, like, what is most important? And the question that he asks Jesus is about our priorities, and it's about our focus. He goes, what's the most important commandment? Like, in other words, what's the main thing you and I should be giving our lives to? And, and friends, I think that this is a great question for us to ask ourselves this morning. And it's something I want you to be a little introspective on and, and ask yourself, what is most important in your life? Like, what is the thing that is most critical, mission critical, to your function, and, and here's why it's so important for you to ask, because what's most important will, will shape the decisions that you make in life. And I know this to be true, because I recently went to Publix uh, on a water run. I don't, has anybody ever gone to Publix on a water run? I don't know if you realize this or not, but there are about 47 different kinds of water that you can buy down the water aisle, and based on your focus, will determine what kind of water you buy. And so, if you're a budget-conscious shopper, then when you go to buy water, you're looking for the no-name, no-brand, like, cheap public spring water. Why? Because your focus is, is I'm on a budget and I need something cheap and therefore I'm going to buy the cheapest thing out there. If your focus is different, maybe you're, you're a health nut. You're like, I want things that are good for my body and I don't just want plain water. I need like special water. You might go and get like smart water. You're like, I need, I need to be more intelligent. I need vapor distilled and electrolytes for taste purely pH bound. Like, I need that in my life, and, and I want to be more intelligent, and I want to feel better when I drink my water because my focus is health. I'm going to buy some smart water. Some of you, you, you want to be ballers, and you want to be highfalutin in life, and you want to look like you're a big deal, so you buy Pellegrino. <laughs> you want everybody to know that I've made it in life. I've got, I've got a glass bottle. I don't need no plastic. I got glass baller status. Look at me. That's what you're saying. You don't know that, but that's what you're saying. So every time you, you order this, that's what everybody's thinking to themselves. Oh, they're a big deal. Or they think they are. <laughs> then there's some of you that none of those things are important to you. You just wish you were on vacation in Fiji. And so you saw this and you're like, I, I just want to be on vacation. I need some artesian spring water. Like I just like I just want to be somewhere else right now. And so this is based on your priorities, based on your focus, you choose that. And here's what I know about all of us is that our focus, it shapes our behavior. And and so much of our behavior, what it does is it shapes our life. And here's what I know is that a lot of us will fly through the next couple of days weeks, months, shoot, we'll go years. And here's what I know about time. Time really does seem like it's flying. Especially the older you get, the faster it goes. Come on, some people, you know what I'm talking about. I hit my 40s and it feels like I'm almost in my 50s now. Some people that hit their 50s are thinking, I wish I was back in my 40s right now. But without focus... My question for you is, is what is shaping your life? Are you allowing culture to shape your life? Are you allowing the busyness of 
our day and our age to shape your life? That's why the question that the religious leader asked to Jesus is so critical. Like, what's the most important commandment? What is the things that we should focus our lives on in the midst of culture, in the midst of the busyness of the day? And for most of us, if we are honest, we have two categories of things that we, we focus on. The first one is that we focus on, on what's most important, and then we also focus on what's most urgent. And if we were really honest, what's most urgent typically takes the place of what's most important. Because what's most urgent seems like it's important in that moment. But in 10 years from now, if you ask yourself, what would matter most? Most of the time it wouldn't. But because it was, it was urgent, it took all of our focus in that moment and took over our lives. And I know this, this is so true for me. I, I, I realized this. In fact, I, I really had epiphany of this over the last couple of weeks because yesterday we were doing our fast track next steps here at the church at both locations. And, and one of our fast track steps is a, is a class called Discover where we help you with your personality traits and spiritual gifts. And, and we utilize a test called the DIS test. And if you've ever taken the DIS test, there, there's four different, different personality types. And, and I'm, a, I'm, a person, I'm a D personality type. If you don't know what that is, it's called the dominant personality. I am fast-paced and very task-oriented. Uh, and, and so I, and, and I want to utilize people. And so what that means is that like, I want to go, go, go. I'm all about lists. I'm going to get a list, and I'm going to give my list to you to get that list done. That's what a D personality basically means. Like I'm, I'm going to utilize you to get my things done. And, and what I found in my life is I can get so focused on my task and I love the checklist and checking things off that I'll forget why I'm doing what I'm doing. And what I'll do is I'll end up using people to get things done instead of getting things done to help people. Because I get so focused on what's most urgent instead of what's most important. And what happened to me is, is I, a couple of uh, a weeks ago, about two weeks ago, I, was, I had a gap of about 10 minutes between an appointment. And so I was here at a Parkland location and I walked out to see the progress on our expansion. And I was, I was walking through and I was like, I literally had 10 minutes. So I'm, I'm just trying to buzz through and see what's going on on, on the different floors and different areas. And, and as I'm walking through, one of the construction workers yells over, Hey, what do you do for the church? And I'm like, oh, I, I, I'm the pastor here. He's like, great, can we talk? And I'm like, I've got an appointment here in a couple minutes. He's like, that's cool. Let me tell you my life story. <laughs> Perfect. Can you do it in three minutes or less? You know, and he can't. And he proceeds to start telling me a story. And, and at first, I'm just wa I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, are, are you going to, come on, come on, get to it, you know. And, and then I had this realization that, like, like, I'm so focused on getting to my next task that I'm forgetting that there's a person in front of me. Yeah. And this guy starts to tell me about his struggles in life and what he's dealing with and how he's lost his faith and all of a sudden, I get an opportunity to, to pray right there in the middle of the job site with him. And he goes, hey, when this church opens up, can I come to it? And I said, hey, God, the church is open right now. Yeah. 
Like, you see this other building next to it? That's, that's a church too. He's like, oh, I was wondering what that was. I was like, he was sharp, sharp. <laughs> and then I invited him to church. And I walked away from that and, and I thought to myself, man, how often do I get so focused on the urgent that I miss the important? And it kind of reoriented me for the first time in a while. And I started, I started realizing that, man, God was putting God moments with people in front of me all the time. I was so focused on my tasks that I was missing. And all of a sudden, I was sitting at a breakfast the other morning with Shayla. And we're sitting there, and I look over this table next to me. And I was like, God, I want God opportunities. And I see these, this couple sitting there. Man, they just, they, they just look tired. And, and they're doing something that's very rare. They were sitting there not talking to each other, but they were not on their phones. And I, thought, I was like, that's rare. That's weird. Because normally, people just go to breakfast and look at their phones and eat. And they think that that's a romantic date. But that wasn't what they were doing. Like, they just, and I started paying attention and I realized the guy had a hospital sticker on his shirt. And I started thinking to myself, you know what? I bet you that guy was at the hospital all last night. I bet you that's the reason they, they just look exhausted and worn out. And, and it was in that moment, I, I just felt like God was like, hey, you, you need to do something for them. And so I was like, man, I'm going to pay for their meal. And so I paid for their meal. I didn't say a word to them, but I, but I knew in that moment, I, I, I saw what God was trying to show me, that it was about the priority of not just me getting taken care of, but what about taking care of other people? Into another situation where there was an elderly woman, and she was trying to get around, and I started to open up doors for her. I was making ways. For, I, was, I was like her personal assistant. And I just started realizing that, man, if I would just... Look at what's most important. I would see all of the moments that God was arranging for me. Not what's most urgent, but what's most important. And here's the good thing about Jesus. Jesus doesn't want to leave us guessing about what's most important, but instead he gives us the answer to what is most important in life. In verse 29, he says this, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. In other words, what he says is he says, number one, you gotta love God. And here's what's interesting. He quotes a passage from the Old Testament. It's actually found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And, and this was a very, very familiar passage to any Jewish person. Not only would this have been a familiar passage, but this would have been a passage of Scripture that every Jewish person and definitely every re religious leader would have memorized. Not only would they have memorized it, but they would have minimally prayed this at least two times a day. And, and in fact, they would have had some sort of uh, remnant of something pinned to their clothing to remind them to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so when Jesus quotes this to them, he says, hey, here's the most important commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all of your strength. I'm sure all the Jewish re religious leaders were like, uh, no duh. And here's what I know. All of us that have made Jesus our Savior know that this is an important command. But what makes this hard is, is whatever is getting our uh, focus is getting our attention a lot of times. And it's also getting our devotion a lot of times 
as well. And what happens for us is our heart, soul, mind, and strength get pulled into so many different areas. It gets pulled into our family. It gets pulled into our career. It gets pulled into our success. It gets pulled into our schooling. It gets pulled into all these different things. And all of those things are good things unto themselves. But the moment that those things become your ultimate thing, it becomes a bad thing. Any good thing that becomes your ultimate becomes a bad thing because the Bible says that is what the Bible would call an idol in your life. What it means is that whatever it should be in first place, which God wants, you've taken it and replaced it with something that was good and tried to make it great, thinking that that great thing would fill the void that's in your life that was created only to be filled by God himself. And so he says, man, you, you got to love God. Like it's got to be the ultimate in your life. So practically, how do we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Uh, we, we obey the commands that he's given us. When we trust Jesus for forgiveness and grace and mercy, we show our love for God. When we gather as a church community to worship and sing together the glory of God, we're, we're showing God our love for him. When we open up the Bible and read what it says, and then, and then we go, God, Show me how to apply this in my life, and we do it. We're showing our love for God. When we pray together with, with our spouse and with our friends and our families, we're showing our love for God. When we resist the temptation of sin in life and walk in the light that God has given us, we're showing our love for God. When we give sacrificially to others and to the church, and, and when we do that, when we give our time and our gifts and our resources, man, we're showing our love for God. What we're doing in all these things is showing our love for God. I don't think for some of us, like we need to reorient our lives. Like, are we actually showing our love for God? It's one of the reasons why we want to do 21 days of prayer here starting tomorrow morning because we, we think it's a good opportunity for right before the chaos of the school year happens that we reorient ourselves around what is most important. And I want to encourage you, church, whether you're in Lighthouse Point or right here in Parkland, man, make a decision that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something a little bit differently. I'm going to wake up early and I'm going to show up to early morning prayer at the church and I'm going to hear a devotion and I'm going to worship together with some other people and I'm going to pray and I'm going to put God first in my life. And some of you guys are like, that's way too early. Have you ever heard of sacrifice? Maybe you have to take some kids to school or something. Find another time. To make it a priority, go, no, 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 I, I, I'm going to love God. I'm going to make him first in my life. And watch what God will do because what you're dealing with in life, we say it all the time, is way more spiritual than you realize. What if you battled it in the spiritual before you tried to take over it in the flesh? And then Jesus does something that's pretty radical right here in this passage, and we might miss it today, but he actually adds to the passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 31. He says, the second half is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is a quote from Leviticus 19.18. He says, no other commandment is greater than these. He says, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and here's, here's the second most important thing, and it's equally as important. I need you to, number two, I need you to love people. And this is radical because Jesus actually adds to the Shema. 
That's what this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is. It's called the Shema. And, and he goes, hey, listen, I, I, I'm going to do something that's way outside the box. It's going to blow your mind. The audacity and the boldness that Jesus has right here to take the most sacred scripture in all of Jewish culture and put an addendum to it is radical. Like, he's like, man, Jesus says, man, it comes down to this. You got to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then you have to love your neighbor as yourself. Everything hinges on these two things. Now, this is interesting because the people of the day, they, they knew that there were the big Ten Commandments. We've all heard of the Ten Commandments. And the goal was to, to never break one of the Ten Commandments. So in order to not break the line that has been set here at the Ten Commandments, they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put in 613 other laws. So we're going to create some boundaries here. So here's a boundary. Here's another boundary. Here's another boundary. So in case we cross this boundary, we don't ever cross that boundary. And Jesus goes, man, that's great that you have all the boundaries and you're trying to figure out like what boundary is good and what boundary is bad. But I'm gonna take the 613 and the 10 that you have and I'm gonna boil them down to two. Love God and love people. It's all about this. And it's important for us to hear this because as Christians, it's really, really easy to love God and love other Christians that act like you and talk like you and look like you and have the same political beliefs as you, that have the same desires as you. And Jesus is trying to get us to realize it's not just about loving that person that's sitting next to you, but it's about loving God and it's about loving people. Because I don't know if you realize this or not, but our community in here, it exists for the purpose of the world out there. Like the community that we have right here is not just for here. And don't get me wrong, I love the community that we have in our church. I think it, it's incredible, it's life-changing, it will, it will help transform your life, the people you surround yourself with. But if all we think is what we're doing is for us, we have missed the point of what Jesus came to do in our lives. This incredible community isn't just for us, it's for those that have not yet experienced it yet. Listen, we exist as a church to shine and to shine bright to all those outside the four walls of this building. And there are too many people that are in the chains of poverty, that are in the chains of addiction, that are in the chains of despair, that are in the chains of depression out there that need the hope that we have in here, church. And what we have here is awesome, but if we don't take it out there, we have missed it. Because there's only one thing in this life that is not temporary. And that's people. That house, that car, that career, that 401k, all good things, but all temporary things. You know what's eternal? It's your neighbor, it's your son, it's your daughter. It's that cashier at Publix. It's that coworker that's a pain in the rear. It's that guy that cut you off on 95. 
that you wave to with a singular finger. (laughs) It's every single person you will lock eyes with. Because we believe that every person will either spend eternity in heaven with their creator or eternity in hell in damnation. And church, I want you to build your life on on things that matter. Like, you can build your life on things that are temporary. Like, it's okay, a lot of people do. But I want to make sure that I'm living for something that lasts and something that's, that's actually eternal in life. I think that's why Jesus' last words were, go. It would have been really easy for Jesus to say, hey, you guys have got a really good community. Why don't you just all stay together for the rest of your lives? Why don't you just keep this all to yourselves? But he said, no, 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 I need you to go out there and tell them that don't know about me, about me so that they can love me. And so I can love them. I love what Rick Warren says. He says, life minus love equals zero. And the best use of life is love. And the best expression of love is time. And the best time to love is now. So how do we love people? I think when we support people, we're showing love. When we care for people, we're showing love. When we invest in people, we're showing love. When we give to people, we're showing love. I I think one of the greatest ways we show love is, is when we serve other people. In a day and an age where no one serves anyone, where everybody's looking for their needs to be met, when we start meeting the needs of other people, it's a game changer. In fact, I, I'm kind of unashamed in it. Uh, like, like, there are people that need you to get out of your seat and start to invest in their life. Like, loving cannot just be in words, it's got to be in action. Because if you say, oh, I love you, but you treat me like garbage, that's a really odd way of loving. And so I'm going to challenge us, church, specifically here in Parkland. I'm going to challenge you in Lighthouse Point, though. Um, We're adding more services because we're running out of room. And I don't know if you know this or not, but it takes about 100 dream teamers every single service to pull off what we do here at our church, whether you're in Lighthouse Point or right here in Parkland. That means that there's a need for a hundred more people that will say, you know what, I'm tired of just sitting in my seat saying I love God and I love people. I'm ready to get out of my seat and show people that I actually love them because everything that you experience is created because people decided to get out of their seat and show people that they love them. And it's time for some of us to not just have a a, a faith that is a, a, a uh, receive faith, but it, it's going to be a faith where I give. And so here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. In the seat back pocket of every one of your seats is a card that says, get connected. For some of you guys, you need to start exercising your love for people, not just saying it. I'm going to challenge you to fill this card out. And at the bottom, there's places where you can have the opportunity to go, you know what? I like to start getting involved and getting engaged. And, and here's what I know. The more room we create for people, the more people will come. And we'll take that 98.3% and we'll dwindle it down. And we'll make a difference where we can. Because we decided we're not just going to love people and love God with our words. We're going to love them with our actions. 
So going back to the story, he's this he they're they're trying to figure out like well like which one of the 613 like what option do I have just like like what option do I have on the water table and and Jesus says look it comes back to loving God and loving people and so the religious guy comes back and he goes well let let me say something else and this is verse 32 it says the teacher of the religious law replied well said teacher you've spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other and I know it is important to love him with all of my heart, with all of my understanding, with all of my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important to, than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. So he acknowledges like what Jesus is saying is good, like the light is kind of coming on in his mind, and Jesus is going to encourage him to take it to the next level. He says, realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, you are not that far from the kingdom of God, and after that, no one dared to ask him a question. So he goes, hey, listen, I've got to figure it out. I've I've got to love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I've got to love people. Like, I, I get it. Like, I have the understanding of it. And Jesus goes, man, you're so close. But you're missing a part of it. You understand it. You comprehend it. You get the functionality of it. But number three, you have to show it. Like, you can't just know about it. You can't just comprehend it. You can't just understand it. Now it's the time for you to actually live it. Like, it's got to become information, a transformation in your life. I, 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 I experienced this about 15 years ago. It hit me really, really hard. I'd finished uh, preaching over a weekend at, at the church that I came from in Bradenton, Florida, and uh, we'd finished our last service, and when, when I went to go get into uh, my wife's car, uh, we were riding back home. My wife has a tendency that she likes to leave her car with as little amount of gas as possible. I don't know what it is. It's a, it's, it's a goal of hers to see, like, how close to empty can I leave it? So we get in, the little gauge says, you have three miles to empty, you know? And it's like, oh, thanks, babe. And so, like, I'm tired after service and after preaching. Uh, I think we were at five services on a Sunday morning at that point. And, uh, and so we get in the car and we're heading to a gas station. I'd preached a message very much like this one. And we get to this gas station, and uh, I, I go to put my car, my credit card in the credit card reader, and the worst thing possible happens. It says, see the attendant inside, because the credit card reader's hand. Don't you hate that, right? That, like, if there's, if there's one thing that, like, should always work, it should be that, and it should always print a receipt, but that's another story. And so I'm like, oh, man, I got to go inside. And, and as I'm walking towards the 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 gas station to go inside. I, I see a guy asking some people for money and I'm like, oh man. And I, I'm like, I don't want to give this, this guy any money. And so I'm like, make the avoidance and, and go the longer way to get in just to, just to avoid the conversation. Because if I, I don't talk to him, then I don't feel bad, right? You know, so um, just being honest here, I'm not saying I was right, okay? And so I go in there and uh, I, I'm, I'm handing the attendant my debit card to to you know, pay for my gas. And I feel like God said, hey, get some money for that homeless guy. And, and I was like, I don't want to give that homeless guy money. And God's like, you need to give him some, give him some money. And so I was, finally I was reluctant. I was like, hey, I need $20 back. And uh, I was like, can you give me a 10, a five and five ones? You know, I don't want to give him very much. And so I'm like, and, and, and I heard God say, no, 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 you need to give it all to him. And I was like, no, 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 God, that's a, that's a lot of beer for that guy to buy. I don't want to give. 
These are the things that go through my mind. I'm just being honest. He's like, no, no, you need to give it all. It's like, I don't want to give it all. So I pay for it and I walk back out. And as I'm walking out, the guy walks up to me and he's like, hey man, do you have any, do you have any money? Can you spare some change? And reluctantly, I pull out the $20 and I put it in his hand and not very happy about it. I'm like, hey, Jesus loves you. Hope you have a great day. You know, and I, I start walking off. He goes, well, that's really good because I was just at your church service. And I was wondering if what you said and what you did actually aligned. And I said, hey, man, what's your name? And he goes, my name is Bird. It's like, that's, a, that's an interesting name. That day I got to pray with Bird. Bird became an active member of our church. Changed his life. Because it's not enough to just say, I love God and I love people. We actually have to show it. It's got to be actionable in our lives. Like it, it, it can't just be something we know. It's got to be something we do. And friends, I think we have to get to a place where we prioritize loving God and loving others. And if we prioritize loving God and loving others really, I think we'll get it right in life. Here's what I know. I hope our church isn't known for nice buildings and good specialty coffee and really great music and a good-looking pastor. But it's, <laughs> but it's simply known as a church full of imperfect people that love God and love others and truly show it. I, listen, I think we can get a lot of things wrong. But if we get this right, if we get this right, we can not only change our world, but we can change the world. And I think that this is just a moment for us as a church to reorient ourselves, to refocus our priorities and make sure that we're living for what matters most. Are we loving God? Are we loving people? And are we truly showing it? And here's what I know. Maybe for some of you, you've, ne you've never taken the first step, which is loving God. And you came here today to church thinking to yourself, well, I, I don't really know if I'm a, there's much of a relationship with God. I'm not talking about rules or religion, but I'm talking about a God that loves you so much that in the middle of the mess that you're in, because here's what I know, without God, you're in a mess. Like you've got yourself in some situations, you try to get yourself out and all you've done is dug a deeper and bigger hole. And there's a God that wanted to make a way where it seems like there's no way in your life. And he did it 2,000 years ago by loving you so much that he sent his one and only son so that you could experience life and have it more abundantly. And maybe today, for the first time or the first time in a long time, you need to experience a loving God who knows you who cares about you and has brought you here right now for this moment so that you could have an encounter with him. And that encounter changes everything for everybody. And it begins with a simple yet significant prayer of surrender.
of you saying, God, I acknowledge the incredible gift that you gave through your son, Jesus. And I surrender in this moment, my will and my way. I've tried it my way and it didn't work. God, I'm going to give it up to your way. And I'm going to put my trust and my faith in you. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe that's you in Lighthouse Point. Maybe that's you right here in Parkland. If you just slip your hand up at the count of three, I'd love to pray a prayer with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip. Yes, one, two. Anybody else? Three. Yes, I see you right there. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Four. I see you back there. Anybody else? Don't miss your moment here. You're here on purpose. You feel a tug in your heart. Like this is your moment. This is your God moment. If you'll pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, say, God, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your one and only son to ransom his life on the cross of Calvary so that I could have forgiveness of my sins. God, change and transform my past. Come into my heart and secure my future. I surrender my will. I surrender my way. Fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your goodness and your mercy. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.